ghosts, specters, whatever you want to call them, they've been around for thousands of years. Apparently she died from a tooth infection in one of the upstairs rooms in the house. As have the locations they haunt. History of a Haunting Podcast tells you all about these famous, infamous, and almost famous locations, and why they became terrifying places to visit. Grab a glass of wine and settle in with your hosts, Archie. I mean, that was definitely the wrong thing to do. And Carrie. Nobody asked for it, Carrie. Nobody fucking asked for it, but hey, my podcast, and I'll say what I fucking want. (laughs) Two people just winging it in life, and this podcast. So enjoy this week's episode of History of a Haunting. Did you click okay? I did. Okay, good. Hi, guys. Welcome to History of a Haunting. I'm Carrie. And I'm Laura. And we have a very special guest host this week, everybody. My niece, Emma. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) She's looking around like the people are watching through the (laughs) Everyone can see you. Yeah. <laughs> really. Um, so I'm in Pittsburgh this weekend uh, at Jen and Mike's, and they are in New York. Do you know how to pronounce the name of the town they're in? Canada Digua or Canadigua or some lakeshore town in New York with their friends Bill and Heather. So I came up to hang out with Emma for the weekend, and um, we went to Go Ape yesterday. What do you think of that? It was fun. Very scary. Yeah. For a person who's afraid of heights. We were all afraid of heights. <laughs> we're like, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's do this. Um, so fun. Yeah. What did? What was the thing you hated the most? Uh, Tarzan swing. Yeah, the Tarzan Terrifying. swing. I don't know why. Like, I had done it, and I had done like that beginning one when Archie and I went in Raleigh, and it, I. It took me forever to get up the courage to drop off that platform and swing into that net rope net thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it wasn't great. <laughs> what was your favorite thing? The zip line. Yeah, the zip line <laughs> was pretty cool. Zip lines are always fun. Yeah. Yeah, they had a great time. And hmm. then afterward, we went to lunch and they had monkey bread, which, oh. I mean, you have to have monkey bread after you go to go ape. That seems very fitting. Yeah. I just got Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, oh, cool. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) You didn't realize it at the time? (laughs) I didn't even know what it was. Oh, it's that cinnamon. That pull-apart bread. Yeah, yeah. I had never even heard of it. So, yeah. Seasonal bits, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they were super excited to get that. And um, yeah, I've got a really nasty bruise on the side of my leg by my knee from the various rope obstacles that we had to go through, which I hated all of it. I you get hurt. Work. You got hurt last time too. Oh my God, I did. I, You're better. It seems like it's not as bad as the last time, even though you still got hurt. As, well, I know. Well, well, this time we had the full finger gloves. So I yeah, didn't spread my... Although Emma and I kept the gloves are kind of too long on us. So mm-hmm. we kept pinching the tip of the glove in the carabiner uh-huh. and being like, wait, huh? it, it I'm was stuck. Just, it was just the whole thing. <laughs> that sounds very entertaining. Yeah. This one had, this one was different because it had tree to tree zip lines. Mm-hmm. 
So, and then they said, now, if you don't, if you don't zip all the way to the next platform, there's a rope. You can just pull yourself over to it. I was like, "Mm -mm. I'm not doing that. Vegas had the opportunity to do that. She was like, no, I'm just going to go this way and zip line. (laughs) Never mind. No, none of this tree to tree crap. So, um, so yeah, we got, what did we get? Certificates of awesomeness. Yeah, showing that we completed it. Even though we didn't really, we there were five sites and we were, after the fourth, we were like, I think we're good. Are we good? We want to leave? Are we hungry? Let's get some lunch. <laughs> also, I was freaking filthy because I would zip lunch. <laughs> She's laughing. <laughs> when you go down the zip line, you either come in forward and then you, once you get to the, the mulch pit, you can jog and slow yourself down. Mm-hmm. If you come in sideways or backward, you have to drag your feet. I always came in backward. So on the last one, I drug my feet and I still kept going. I wasn't slowing down and I'm like, oh God. So I dug my feet in further. I lost my shoe and my shirt was <laughs> My clothes were filthy and I didn't realize how bad they were until we got to the fucking restaurant and I went to the bathroom and I looked at the whole back of my shirt was brown and sweaty with dirt. I came back to the table and told Vegas and Emma, you guys could have told me I had to burn my clothes before we got here. It was so bad. And then when we got home, I was pulling my debit card out of my back pocket. I'm like, why is my butt bumpy? I reached in my back pocket and pulled out a giant handful of mulch (laughs) out of my back pocket. (laughs) Vegas had to empty her shoes out before we got in the car when we left. It was, this trip was a hot mess. That's funny. Compared to the first one. Nice. Um, So yeah, we had a great time doing that. That's cool. Yeah, we had fun. And then last night, oh my God, last night, I'm, it's like one o'clock in the morning and I'm sitting in the den and I'm watching Destination Fear. And Eddie's in there with me on his pile of bags. And Who is Eddie? Who is Eddie? Eddie is their cat. Okay. Not just yeah. some random dude just sitting on a pile of bags. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure. <laughs> I mean, it's that, this story could get real interesting really fast. Okay. It's the decided. So I mean, just choose your own adventure. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, his name is Edward Scissorpaws, um, but they call him Eddie. <laughs> I love like it. One o'clock in the morning, and they have a ring doorbell. Mm-hmm. And when the doorbell detects a person at the front door or something at the front door, they have set the little box in the den to go off the sound of a dog barking. So at 1 a.m., this thing goes off. And Emma's in bed. It's just Eddie and I. And I'm like, and it's scared Eddie and I. We both looked at each other like, oh, my God. (laughs) And I knew what it was. And I'm like, oh, my God. Is there somebody at the front door? Of course, I was watching Destination Fear, so I almost jumped out of my skin. Right. So you're already. Already freaked out. But nobody on the door. Nobody Mm -hmm. rang the doorbell. I'm like, son of a bitch. So I creep to the dining room window And I peek out and there's a car that when I got home last night, there was a car parked. Um, So Emma's brother, Jared, had parked his car here at the house while he went camping for the weekend. Mm -hmm. There was a car parked right in front of Jared's car where I usually park. So when I got home last night, I had to park up by the neighbor's house. 
well, those people were leaving. And I thought, does that doorbell detect like people on the street and like the cars on the street? Because then that shit must be going off all the time. Yeah, it's weird. It's so really funny. <laughs> talked to Emma about it before. She's like, oh no, it was there's another cat in the neighborhood that likes to wander up and like up to their front door. And it's the thing that set the damn thing off. She showed me the video this morning. I was like, oh my God, I was so scared. I'm like, is somebody <laughs> just standing at the goddamn front door at one o'clock in the morning? <laughs> That's awesome. It was terrifying. I'm like, this is some bullshit right here. <laughs> that's so, funny. Yeah, that's been our. Well, so, so when my cat goes out, the mama cat, she'll go outside to go potty or walk around or whatever. She doesn't go far or long, but she'll come around to the front if I'm not if she mouths the back door and I don't come or whatever. She mouths the front door. She gets impatient. She puts her claws into like my metal screen door on the outside <laughs> and shakes the fuck out of it. Oh, so it sounds like somebody, it's so loud. It sounds like somebody is banging on my metal screen door. Like the police are there? <laughs> right. Or yeah, or somebody's like with urgency trying to get into my house. Scares the fuck out of me every time. And my bedroom window, like I'll be lying in bed, is right next, is right in the front, right next to the fucking door. Oh, God. I can't see her. All of a sudden, it just starts rattling all crazy. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> Peeking outside. Who's there? Like, it's a fucking cat again. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, you're braver than I had to, like, peek outside. I just was like, I went to the dining room window and was like, oh, my God. What's Look, you can't oh. see the front door from the dining room window. Well, now I realize it's her after she scares the shit out of me, but... The first couple times I'm walking to my front door with a fucking knife. Like, let me grab a butcher knife. Hold on. See what's going on. That's what I was like. Do I wake up Emma for protection? Do I? (laughs) I was like, are Emma and I about to become ghosts? Is somebody about to murder us? I was like, I can't text Jennifer and Mike. And be like, hey, I'm afraid. Can you go home? (laughs) Well, I was going to text them and be like, who's at the front door? I can't see. Because I knew Emma was asleep. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so then I just sat there like listening and Eddie and I were just kind of like looking at each other (laughs) ended up being the other cat that looks like Eddie one day. Was it your mom thought that Eddie had gotten out when she saw him at the, yeah, yeah, he looks a lot like Eddie. So they're like long lost brothers. He just comes to check on him. I guess so. I don't know. Didn't you guys find friends that he lived at the house up the street or something? I thought she said, did you ever figure out like next neighbor like rode over oh really maybe. i don't know huh. i just have like cats here i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> roman <laughs> that's the thing i'd rather have cats wander the neighborhood than bears or something or people for that matter people why'd you have to say people <laughs> i hate people <laughs> so anyway those are the only evps that we had was just you know our weekend and how i'm uh, terrified of that last night. <laughs> She's terrified of ring cameras and cats. Yeah. Oh, oh. The combination is bad news. Jeez, Eddie just shot through the living room like a bullet from a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Knew that we were talking about him. Right. <laughs> we're talking about my brother. Yeah. yeah. Nice. How about you? Any, uh, Zane went back to school. How's that going? He did. So we went back 
what Thursday, so we had the two days. He was he was loving it. He was very happy, um, which was nice because towards the end of last year, he was like, "I hate this." But yeah, so he's excited like again. Every student gets. Yeah, I'm over it. <laughs> Let's be done. Yeah. So he's excited. Big third grader. Um, Aww. Yeah, it's so cute. He's been, you know, happy. So we'll see towards the end of next week. Ask me again. Next time we record, I'm going to be like, oh. <laughs> but it's been good. We uh, made it on time both days. I was feeling pretty proud of myself. Sometimes hey, that's hey, just the biggest through. fucking struggle. <laughs> like, right? Made it. <laughs> Even Emma on is starting her senior year this year. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> yes. cool. She's going to be 18 next month. We're planning her birthday party. Nice. Yes. We're having Big a times. great time. Yeah. I can't believe it. She's our last one. Uh-oh. Yeah. She's applying to Westminster. Uh, yeah, and LaRoche. And LaRoche. Nice. What about that other one? Was the other one too far away? It's IUP. Too far away. Yeah. Bigger sized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm fascinated by the whole process because, you know, Jennifer didn't go to college. I didn't go to college. Koi hasn't decided what he wants to do. Jared didn't go to college. So we're like... We're all learning with Emma on this whole college process. Tell Jennifer, I'm like, she's our last good one. <laughs> she's our last chance to figure out how this college thing works. Right? Yeah. Oh, good job. Yeah. That's funny. Right on. Emma's our good one. Oh. So, anyway, all right. Um, and so, as a reward for her hard work and uh, <laughs> dedication to her studies and her varsity cheerleading, Let's tell her about a terrifying location. <laughs> right? Let's totally bum out her day. Let's, <laughs> let's ruin her day <laughs> by telling her about a really terrifying haunted place. <laughs> Sounds like a best way to spend a Sunday. It does. <laughs> All right. So we are going to... Do you know where we're going yet? Did she tell you what the, I, what the episode was about? I didn't tell her where. I just told her it was terrible. Oh, okay, good. At least you're primed for the for the truther. So we are going to West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville. I don't know that is. West Virginia. It's where is it in relation to College Hill? Did you look it up? I on don't map? honestly. I didn't. Um, I feel like it's not too far. Like I feel like it's closer to here, to Pittsburgh, than it might be. Then. Williamson was. Anyway, yeah, this is one of the darker sides of your beloved West Virginia, Laura. Listen, I'll take it. <laughs> Give me some West Virginia. I'm trying to figure out where it is now that you asked me that. I don't know. It's in West Virginia. Oh, I've good. surmised that much <laughs> by the name. Oh, West you're right. Virginia. You know what? It is up because um, it's Wheeling? by Wheeling. Yeah. So it's up um, close to the Ohio River. Um, okay. Yeah, heading more towards, looks like close, it's right on the Pennsylvania and Ohio borders. Oh, oh, so if I, when I leave tomorrow, I could actually take that route home and go buy it. Oh, you should. <gasps> I won't, though. That's like an eight and a half hour drive. <laughs> it's so long. I don't know that you need detours. Yet. I don't need to do that. Yeah. All right. All right, let's talk about a terrible prison. Let's do it. It's our favorite thing to do. <laughs> I love we the prisons. They always are so good. They really are. <laughs> I'm always like, this is fascinating. Oh, my God. And terrible. Um, all right. So back in 1863, um, West Virginia 
seceded, seceded from Virginia um, after the Civil War. Okay. So that left them, however, with a shortage of public institutions, um, including prisons. So the governor at the time um, had lobbied the new West Virginia state legislature for a penitentiary, but was repeatedly denied. So they told him, hey, just send the prisoners either out of state or to the county jails. Yeah. Right. So you have your worst prisoners in county lockup or out of state. Um, But yeah, the county jails. (laughs) Right. It's kind of a problem. So the county jails were not adequate to hold these inmates. Right. Um, So after nine inmates escaped in 1865 from a county lockup, the press got involved. Oh, dear. Just like, this is not working. Um, I like how it was so the press they, that had to say, this isn't working. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know how it is, though. Public pressure. So then in 1866, uh, the state legislature approved the purchase of 10 acres uh, just outside outside Moundsville. And at the time, it was approximately, well, Moundsville's still there, 12 miles south of Wheeling. But at the time, Wheeling was the state capital of West Virginia. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Back in the day. Neat. Yeah. And wasn't uh, Virginia kind of pissed that they had seceded? So they were like, mm-hmm. you can't use our prisons. <laughs> like, you're on your own. Yeah. Virginia basically was like, yeah, kind of go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. You want to be on your own? Enjoy. One of those tough love parents. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Virginia is apparently only for West, for Virginia lovers, not yes, for yeah. West Virginia. Not for West person. Virginia lovers. No. So the the land that they bought... Um, also extra fun, um, was located partially on part of a large Native American burial ground um, that occupies um, a rise above Grave Creek, also fun name, um, <laughs> that became Ma- the, the town of Moundsville. Um, so there are prehistoric earthworks, including burial mounds, um, located throughout the town of Moundsville. So that's why the name Moundsville? I guess so. I'm always really skeptical about people saying it was built on a Native American burial ground, but this actually is. is it really is. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a large, the largest prehistoric burial mound in Eastern North America, the Grave Creek Mound, is located opposite the main entrance to the prison building. Neat. Yeah. Extra fun. <laughs> so we're already, we're already on a good footing for some good times. Wow. All right. Yeah. yeah, these prisons, I'll tell you. You're right, they're the best. <laughs> they're the best. Like, this looks like a good place. <laughs> Should be fine. Um, so they modeled the West Virginia uh, penitentiary after the prison at Joliet. Ooh, I love that one. Right, and which we also covered in a previous episode. Yeah. So if uh, the listeners don't remember, um, the Joliet prison... Um, is it's the same as this one. It's an imposing stone structure that's um, in the Gothic architectural style. So it has turrets and battlements, kind of like a castle. Yeah, so like Eastern State. They were big fans of that kind of crap back in the day. Yeah, they wanted it to be very intimidating, and they are when you're outside them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, holy shit. Yeah. This doesn't look fun. Um, so the one, the difference, uh, the big difference is that the West Virginia one is um, – way smaller it's about half the size of the Joliet prison oh really it's still yeah. huge so Joliet must be massive yeah well yeah that's where they sent all the criminals from Chicago they were busy oh yeah they were yeah so 
Um, they completed the first building, which they called the, the North Wagon Gate um, in 1876. And that was created with sandstone, um, which they quarried locally. And we all know and love sandstone. Yes. For its fun ability to increase hauntings. Yes. The best way to put it. Big conductor of paranormal energy. Right. Oh, it's also by a Grave Creek. Yeah, Grave Creek Mountain. So there's the running water, too. There is running water, yeah. Ooh, we've almost got the trifecta. Yes, we're right we're right there. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hit the, the other two. We're we're coming on it. It's yes. coming fast. So the officials at the time they employed um prison labor to build the prison, and they also did that for the north and south cell block areas. So the South Hall, as they called it, contained 224 four by seven foot cells. Which are four by big. seven? Yes, they're small, four by seven. So like stretch out your arms, you're already past probably four feet. <laughs> so, oh my God. They're really, they're really little. Okay. And then um, the North Hall, when they completed that, that had a chapel, kitchen, the hospital, and a dining area. There was a four-story tower that connected the two wings um, that housed the administrative offices. They had space for female inmates, and a living quarters for the warden and his family. Worst job ever. Okay. So the prison yard, um, they made a parallelogram um, that was 682 and a half feet in length by 352 and a half feet in width, enclosed by a stone wall, five feet in thickness at the bottom, two and a half feet at the top, with the foundation went five feet below the surface, and the walls were like 25 inches thick. I guess. I'm sorry. Why are you bringing math into this? I don't know. Just know that they're big fuck off walls and they're pretty thick Um, and they go down really far. So they can't be tunneled underneath. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you. Dumb it down. The minute you said parallelogram, I was like glazed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Oh, (laughs) (laughs) we've crossed. (laughs) Carrie's out of it now. Now it really has become terrifying, right? <laughs> like, there's geometry there? I fucking hate this place already. <laughs> Please don't make me do calculations. <laughs> I don't know how to fill it. Uh, a parallelogram? I don't know. Um, so at each of the corners of the fun parallelogram, uh, of the walls, there were large turrets for the use of the guards with inside staircases. So there's big, you know, fun guard stations at the top. Um, the guard room, the guard rooms would be above on a level with the top of the main housing. So the superintendent's house and cell buildings would be placed so that the rear rear wall, God, I can't talk today, um, of each of them would form part of the west wall. So basically, it's just kind of okay. like pressed on in the inside. So after they completed all this, um, they began work on the prison shops and secondary facilities, um, which. Always makes stuff more fun, more work. Shops like wood shops and stuff like that, or mm-hmm. yeah. So shop or so the, it, that was to give the inmates jobs, right? So um, in the early 1900s, um, there were industries within the prison, which included carpentry shop. There was a paint shop, a wagon shop, a stone yard, a brickyard, a blacksmith, a tailor, a bakery, a hospital, and a partridge in a pear tree. And at the same time. <laughs> There was revenue. They used revenue from the prison. There was a prison farm and inmate labor, and it helped the prison financially. There was also a mine, which West Virginia, 
West Virginia, yeah, they're big on that coal mine stuff out here. Yeah, especially back then. So yeah. the prison ended up like basically self-sufficient. Um, they did, did open they the mine in. They did not have it. I don't know. They might have, but it did not mention the piggery specifically. You know, well, I would have told you. About it. Right. So the mine did open in 1921. Um, and it helped fill the prison's and energy needs and save the state an estimated $14,000 a year. And some of the inmates were even allowed to stay at the mines camp, like under the supervision of a mine foreman who was not a prison, prison employee, just like a normal guy, <laughs> which I thought was very strange. Oh, wow, like, hmm. all right. Hmm. All right. Hey, Mike, so, just keep an eye on these guys, okay? They probably won't kill you. <laughs> right. It'll be it's totally fine. I'm sure they love mining. Everybody does. <laughs> so the prisoners were also at the time given education. Um, basically from the start of the 20th century, um, with, they made a school and a library. Oh, wow. Yeah. So conditions at the prison during the 20, the turn of the 20th century were actually good. Um, and according to a warden's report, um, which stated that quote, both the quantity and the quality of all the purchases of material, food, and clothing have been very gradually, but steadily improved while the discipline has become more nearly perfect and the exaction of labor less stringent. You don't, I don't think we've ever covered a prison where it was good. Yes. Well, I mean, this is also the warden talking about his own job. So, you know, I mean, hey. Well, true. (laughs) Right. And (laughs) those, with those levels of good might have been very different than what we would think of today. (laughs) Um, But education was a priority for the inmates. Um, They attended class. Um, and they were really trying to, like, reform and educate them. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It, however, it didn't stay that way. Yeah, so There it is. Yeah. <laughs> now we're on the right track. Right. <clears throat> so over time, the conditions of the prison worsened. Um, and the facility was actually ranked on the U.S. Department of Justice is 10 most violent correctional facilities. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting there now we're getting somewhere now i feel more at home i was like this doesn't sound right right i don't even know this place um <laughs> right one of the most infamous locations within the prison um where there was gambling fighting and raping was a recreation room known as a sugar shack yeah um, yeah which i think is pretty famous a lot of people have probably heard of that yeah, and just the idea of like the name is just so sickening. <laughs> it is really right. Oh, like, oh, it just already sounds bad. I'm like, yeah. is this is a horror. It's horror movie stuff already. It is. Yes, it's horror movie stuff. All right. So, in 1929, the state decided to double the size of the penitentiary because overcrowding. Um, the tiny five by seven cells, or whatever they were saying. Yeah, um, they were at the time putting three prisoners in there at a time. Oh God. So two prisoners would sleep in the bunks and a third would sleep on a mattress on the floor. So um, like the size of the bathroom upstairs. Can you imagine? Right? Yeah. It's really small. Yeah. Um, so they did um, do an expansion and that was completed in 1959. Um, it did take a little bit longer because of the steel shortage during the World War II. So during its peak, the prison housed upward of 2,000 prisoners um, which it was never designed to hold that many, um, not even half that number. They were never designed to hold, nothing ever was designed to hold what it ended up holding. Yeah, exactly. Asylums, prison, sanitarium. Yeah, right. It was, it was all overshot. <laughs> exactly. 
So they, um, like I said, they would sleep on the bunks that were chained to the wall and a third got a mattress on the floor next to the toilet. Um, they also had a, they all had a footlocker also. Neat. That's where they stored all their stuff, like all their personal stuff. Oh no. That, so that locker. Okay. you had to stow your footlocker and the other inmates lockers in there as well. So there was like any kind of space at that time in there was a luxury. Um, That's disgusting. So, yeah. So while the penitentiary became one of the roughest prisons in the country, it didn't start out that way. Um, for years, going to the penitentiary was like a high social function, like an invitation to dine with the warden in, in his apartment inside the prison was highly sought after. Residents of the town people, like wanted to go. And yeah, have yeah, 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 absolutely. The warden of the prison. Yeah. So the residents um, came to the penitentiary for entertainment. At one time, the penitentiary had an orchestra. The inmates put on plays and minstrel shows. Um, locals could even check out an inmate for the day, hire <laughs> them to do farm or yard work or clean their homes. Oh, my. Like, hey, I'll be right back. I'm going to go to the penitentiary and check out a la- from the labor library. Right. And these are, I mean, the worst of the worst, like rapists, murderers, kidnappers, you know, like these are not the good guys. Mm-mm. Um. They still had to pay them, but it was like 25 cents a day. Um, I wonder what that is in today's dollars. Oh, probably a decent amount, but still, like the fact that you could go check them out like a book to do work is kind of crazy. <laughs> right. What happened if you so, I have so many questions. <laughs> There's a lot. Like, did you, a get lot. A book? did you get a little mark with a stamp? I need to know. <laughs> um, and how did you know you didn't swap them out? Right. Did they come with a little card that was signed? Right. Like, do, I don't know. Is there a bibliography of the, you like, you know, what is it? What is that? Not bibliography. Um, the book of cards in a light. I'm asking her. I doubt she the knows. The card catalog. The card catalog. You know, I'm like, you need to ask somebody that's old. She doesn't know. Doesn't know what the catalog <laughs> is. Okay. All right. So this is actually um, kind of interesting. So the, the prison also had um, a baseball team. Um, so John Thorne, who's major league baseball's official historian, um, said that it was common in America for locals to go watch prison baseball games for fun. Um, historians believe that the tradition lasted into the 1950s, especially in the South until TV became the way fans watched games. So <laughs> and those lazy fuckers just sat on their couch and watched it at home. Right. So in fact, one prisoner, his name is Alabama Pitts. He became a three-sport star at Sing Sing in the 30s. Oh, my God. Um, right? And after his, because this was like a big deal. Like, people in the town would go to the penitentiary to watch games. And this was common everywhere. I did not know this. Um, but this guy, after he got released, he played center field for the Albany Senators. And he was in the minors for years before he got killed in 1941 in a knife fight on a dance floor in North Carolina. I just thought that was a very interesting (laughs) kind of Yeah. So, I mean, people from the town, they wanted to go in there to dine with the warden. They went, it was commonplace to go to, you know, watch the baseball games. Like the whole family would go and they would sell like, I mean, just like a regular game. There was like vendors and everything. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Crazy. Right. So, you know, all this seems really wonderful, but it's not great. 
<laughs> I was just going to say, I'm going to think, I think I, I researched the wrong place because this doesn't lead to anything in my notes. <laughs> right. Well, unfortunately, um, the guards, the inmates still weren't treated that well. I know around the 1900s, they were trying, but eh, not so much. Were they? So the guards, <laughs> yeah, kind of maybe. Um, so the guards tortured them regularly and beat them with impunity. And right. they use specific means of torture. Oh, fabulous. Um, Are you going to tell right? me? I am. Of course I am. <laughs> We're getting to the not so great part of the story. Awesome. Um, Over your ears. So one was, right? <laughs> la, la, la. Um, so one was called the kicking Jenny. So it was an instrument invented and built in the prison. Um, it's made somewhat in the shape of a quarter circle with the highest end about three or four feet above the platform upon which it is set. The prisoner is stripped naked and bent over on this machine. His feet are fastened to the floor with ropes while his hands, which are stretched over the upper end, are tied with rope and attached to small blocks. Um, and they do it so so tight that the prisoner can almost be torn in two um, with a slight pull. So kind so, of, of like of they're stretching them basically over like are they are they standing up or are they laying is it like a modern form of the rack in England? kind of yeah oh, actually okay. very very close to them okay they're basically stretching them up yeah okay um so after the prisoners was placed in the position um the superintendent or whoever was doing the whipping took a heavy whip made of sole leather two pieces of which about three feet long are sewed together and the ends scraped slightly rounding. Um, the lash being three inches broad at the handle tapering to a point. I think basically it's just, they make it real thin at the end. Yeah. So it gives a good whip. Ugh. Yeah. So with the whip, the prisoner is beaten until he is almost dead or the strength of the man who is doing the whipping gives out. So it's um, not like 20 lashes. It's just, I'm going to beat you until either until I get tired or I get you tired die. And you die. Wow. Yeah. So this guard that testified about this said that I have seen men whipped until they were covered with great purple and red welts from their hips to their shoulders. The lash would make a long welt across the body and perhaps the next blow would fall across the others when the blood would let out of the wounds and the victim's back would become one mass of blood, torn and lacerated skin and flesh. So this was the common torture. Then they also did something called the shoe fly. I told you this wasn't going to be a great one. I agree. Yeah. So basically on this one, they placed... Um, like shoe fly them. don't bother me? Yeah. Okay. So what they did is they fastened the prisoner basically into stocks, hands and feet, and head. <laughs> oh, um, those. Yeah, the, yeah, the old stocks. Like, yeah. yeah so, but yeah. their feet were also stuck oh. down on ones on the bottom too. Yuck. So, th so that they couldn't move at all. Um, then someone would take a hose and turn the water full on the prisoner's face. <gasps> this was kept up until the victim was practically strangled to death with the water. Oh my God. Right. Um, and so it was basically like waterboarding them yeah. over and over again. <gasps> yeah. Not exactly the funnest thing. 
So, of course, people didn't really want to hang around there. Um, so a lot of people were trying to escape. So it's <laughs> surprising. I know. Why? So I know. Like it's club fed. Right? It sounds like the mine was actually a cool place to be. Um, right. And you know, that's never a good idea. That's like, <laughs> when that's a positive, really you're like, uh, this is fucked. Down and breathe in coal, turns my lungs black. And I might exp- die in an explosion, then be here. Right. Kind of. So in spite of those huge walls and the foundations, um, the escapes were embarrassingly frequent. Um, There were 510 successful attempts between 1960 and 1995. Holy shit. Right? Yeah, like a ton. So 500 dead. Damn. (laughs) That's a lot. And those are the people who got out, not people that actually were trying. Like they actually got out. They actually got out. Yeah. I mean, at least to some varying degree. Um, so <laughs> there's the stories of jailbreakers commandeering a prison truck, hiding in a cement mixer, and then just escaping through a good old fashioned tunnel. So one escaped felon would write, wish you were here postcards to that fellow convicts <laughs> that had gotten out for a while. Um, I still there think was, the funniest one was the guy that escaped brushy by learning yoga. And like hiding in a box. <laughs> and then folded himself into a box box marked 153 pounds of roast beef and was just put on a truck and taken out of the prison. I still think that's the most clever. I love that one. Yeah. At, um, in this penitentiary, there was um, a guy named Fast Freddy who ended up holding the escapee record with 13 attempts. Oh my God. <laughs> I know, crazy. Um, in 1979, there was a big prison break. Um, 15 prisoners escaped. Uh, one of the escapees was Ronald Turney Williams, who was serving time for murdering um, a sergeant from Beckley Police Department. Oh, I did uh, this one. Yeah, he managed to steal a prison guard's service weapon in the escape. And upon reaching the streets of Moundville, encountered 23-year-old off-duty West Virginia State Trooper Philip Kessner, who was driving past the prison with his wife. So Kessner saw the escapees and attempted to take action against them. The prisoners pulled him from his car and that Williams, the escapee, shot him. So Trooper Kessner returned fire at the fleeing suspects despite being mortally wounded. Aw. I know. Williams remained at large for 18 months. Damn. Sending taunting notes to authorities and making the FBI's 10 most wanted list. So during that time, he murdered John Bunchek in Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah, that's why I was like, that's why yeah. I read it. I'm like, whoa, hang on. I'm right. like, I don't remember hearing about this. Of course, I wouldn't. I was four. <laughs> right? I don't remember this. I don't remember this story. <laughs> right. So he got out and he committed crimes in Colorado and Pennsylvania. Um, and after a shootout with federal agents at the George Washington Hospital in New York City in 1981, he was apprehended and returned to West Virginia to complete several life sentences. <laughs> right. Um, did it say what happened to the guy's wife who was in the car? With it him? didn't. I think she was okay. It didn't oh. say that she was hurt. Damn. Um, forever, but all right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So there was a lot of criticism that came after this break because the local authorities were saying we don't get notified, you know, when they're coming out, and we could have had people there way sooner had we known. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, the local law enforcement were pretty pissed that they didn't know what was going on and that there's no communication to them when there's obviously lots of people escaping from the prison. <laughs> God. It's like a, 
You know what? I was going to say it's like a revolving door, but that really leads right into part of my part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it does. So the prison uh, was also really known for the violence that the prisoners inflicted on one another. Yeah. Um, there were 36 homicides that took place in the prison. Um, one famous one is what they call the butchering of R.D. Wall. Um, he was killed on October 8th, 1929, after snitching on his fellow inmates. Mm, yeah. Yeah. He was attacked heading to the boiler room by three prisoners with dull shivs. Ooh. Yeah, riots were also common. Um, gangs like the Aryan Brotherhood and the Avengers Motorcycle Gang roamed the yard and frequently cra- clashed over things like turf and control of the flow of the contraband. Um, so because of the poor funding, conditions within the prison continued to deteriorate. Um, in 1986, inmates rioted um, a lot. It seems like they were pretty pissed. There was a leaky sewer pipe that Ew. was under the floor of the prison cafeteria. So basically the cafeteria smelled like sewer and like, you know, you can't eat like that. It was just terrible. So the prisoners rioted. They took guards and kitchen workers held hostage. The governor at the time met with the prisoners and negotiated for the release. Um, And the prisoners got basically everything they wanted. Um, They were already going to get rid of the prison um oh yeah but the governor still at the time agreed to build a new cafeteria even though they knew that the prison wasn't yeah just to keep them just to keep them in check for the remaining of the time oh wow yeah so the hostages were released unharmed um but the inmates had killed three of their own more men to be believed that were prison snitches uh you always say snitches get stitches i do it happens um, they also, the prison at times um, did have some criminal celebrities. Um, the most notorious was Harry Powers, who was known as the Lonely Hearts Killer. So he oh. used newspaper personal ads to lure lonely women into believing he was looking for love and marriage, but in truth only sought to rob and murder them. Powers okay. became the inspiration for the black-hearted Harry Powell in Davis Scrubs novel Night of the Hunter. Never heard of it. Yeah, me neither. But he I lived near Clarksburg. He lived near he lived near Clarksburg. And he was arrested in 1931 and convicted of the murders of two women and three young children. Ew. Yeah. Uh, they think that he was actually responsible for these two other deaths. Um, he was hung in the penitentiary um, in the spring of 1932. And he was one of 94 men executed on the premises during the prison's 119 years of operation. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Charles Manson also requested to come here. So in 19, I know wild, right? So in 1983, he. Oh, so this is after he was convicted of the. Right. He was convicted. So he was in jail um, in California. He wrote to the warden of this penitentiary requesting a transfer there. Um, So the letter read, dear sir. Um, you may know some of my kinfolk. God knows they've been enough of us in and out of your place. I'm a beanie brother from way back. California prison people had me in the hole for 14 years. They done told a pack of lies and built up so much fear. Would you accept me at your place? 
I'm a good worker and I give you my word, I'll start no trouble. Mm -hmm. I've been in prison hallways over 30 years and never lied to you and never rated. This should count for something somewhere. Thank you, Charles Manson. (laughs) Well, you know, yes, he, he was also a patient at Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Well, he's from there. Virginia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the warden um, told the United Press that it would be a cold day in hell before he admitted Manson. Good. He said, I'm not really into Charles Manson. There were prisoners in Moundsville Penn who are a lot more violent than he was. I feel like he probably wouldn't have lived very long if he had been in that prison. No, probably not the notoriety and stuff. Yeah. Um, hmm. That's it. Fucking stupid psycho. <laughs> For real. I just thought that was so interesting. And they, since they have the letter, right? Like, it's just. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. So we kind of touched on executions. Um, there were a lot. Um, there's actually a wall in the penitentiary's gift shop that displays pictures of most of the men the state killed at the penitentiary. No, nice. Right. <laughs> so of the men killed at the penitentiary, 85 were hung and nine were electrocuted. Ugh. So the facility's electric chair, old Sparky, um, greets visitors when they first come through the door. Um, it's kept in a cage now and protected. And it was only used nine times? Yes. Interesting. Right. So originally the chair was housed in a separate building. So if you go to visit, it's not in the same place it used to be. It um, was located in a separate building that was on the prison yard, which was referred to as the death house. Neat. Yeah, because previously that's where the gallows were too. Sure, sure. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, keep it all in the same building. Seems logical. Right. Um, So the executions at the penitentiary were typically carried out um, without trouble, meaning that the the convicted were killed. Um, But there were occasional mishaps. Um, also, the hangings were public, so you could come up to watch. <clears throat> so, and like the did, yeah. So, like the baseball, the prison yeah. was still another form of entertainment for the local citizen. Gross, <laughs> right? And so I that, don't have anything to do this weekend. You want to go watch a couple people get hanged? <laughs> like right. Fun. It sounds like good old family entertainment. We pack a lunch. So they did stop letting the public come up there in 1931. When they tried to hang a man by the name of Frank Heyer. Heyer had been convicted of murdering his wife. Um, so at the time, they used this method called the long drop, where they factored in the height and weight into how far they had to drop them to break their neck. Right. Okay. So I'm this particular, this right, more math. More this particular, we're not going to, we're not going to figure out that we're bringing math into my life (laughs) so this particular hanging resulted in decapitation oh god yes so they changed the policy that executions would be by invitation only (laughs) you know meaning the families of victims and right sure the press yeah so the last hanging occurred in 1949 and that's when they started to move to old sparky so an interesting thing I thought about, or I learned about Old Sparky, was that it was an actual an inmate at the penitentiary built the fucking electric chair 
and his name was Paul Glenn. So they asked him to build it. I mean, really? Yes. Yeah, so it, that old sparkly Sparky was actually built by an inmate. Old Sparky. <laughs> old sparkly. Old Sparky. It would be better if it was sparkly. Right? <laughs> oh my God. Did, was this an inmate on death row that knew what he was? No, I don't think so. Okay. Like, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to make this shit not work forever. Locked up. <laughs> right? Here, go ahead and build your own thing. Build your own um, chair. Right. So here's how they did the electrocutions. They started in 1951. So during each execution, an electrician would come to the penitentiary to establish the connection on one of three different switches that the guards would pull simultaneously. Okay. So they would put all the names of the guards in a hat. They pick the names out. Um, and it was, if you refused to do it, you're, you were getting fired. Um, the guards would go up and they would all pull at the same time. So they wouldn't know which one was actually live, which switch. Oh, so like firing squad. Basically, you don't know who actually. You don't know who actually was the one that killed the person. Exactly. So um, eventually the death house was torn down at the request of inmates um, after the death penalty was abolished in West Virginia in 1965. Pretty fun. So <laughs> you look like you want to say something, but I don't know. <laughs> what do you got to say? I, 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 nothing. I can't, I just, there's too much. I have too many questions. <laughs> so I'm just eh, bleh, bleh, stammering. Right. So plow ahead. Okay. Um, so unfortunately, you know, all good things have to come to an end. Um, overcrowding, budget cuts, and just the change in Huge. temperament of the people in there. Yeah. was the size of the cells, all of those things uh, were taken into consideration and they decommissioned the penitentiary. Um, by April of 1995, the penitentiary was silent, empty, and devoid of mission for the first time in its 129-year history. Can we talk for just a tiny second about how 1995, I was like, well, that wasn't that long ago. It was 26 years ago. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> no, we can't talk about that for a minute. No. We already talked about card catalogs. I'm done feeling old for the day. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I should shut up. <laughs> well, in 1995, I was using a card catalog somewhere. That's pretty much what was going on. <laughs> right, yeah. Which, by the way, Emma still doesn't know what a card catalog is. <laughs> so um, after the prison closed its doors, um, they decided to lease it um, out and they now use it for training law enforcement and oh, okay. training guards um, on how to do, how to control riots, et cetera. So it is still actively used by law enforcement. Oh, really? Do, That's cool. So they do training programs, you know, mostly for riot control in prisons, et cetera. So it has also been featured in books and TV. Um, in the Hulu original series, Castle Rock, have you seen this? Mm-mm. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen okay. it. Okay. It's based on Stephen King. Um, and it was filmed there. Um, and the penitentiary stands in as Shawshank State Prison. Pretty crazy. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah. It is nice. So external shots of it have been used in Mindhunter, which is oh, a great show on Netflix. That? Love that show. I love that show. That's a great a good one. I wish they would piss or get off the pot with season three. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, the penitentiary, you can hear the kittens. And I know, it's scary. 
<laughs> they chime in a lot. I know. They do. Stop talking about this right now. Right. So it was obviously been on Paranormal TV, most terrifying places in America. Um, and the prison and sister were featured on an episode of Mysteries of the Abandoned during the team series fifth too. season. You know what? And it just reminds me, oh my God, I forgot to read my, um, to cite my sources. Hold on. Oh no. It's on a different page. I do it after. That This is after. Okay. That's the history. Yay. Let me oh, tell you where I found it. it. Oh, <laughs> wow. All I'm right. a, uh-oh. <laughs> so I did find my information. Um, on wbpentours.com, Wikipedia, um, pilotguides.com, the West Virginia Gazette Mail.com, in an article um, by Amanda Vaughn called The West Virginia State Penitentiary, um, Your Guide to History, October 1st, 2020. Neat. Moundsville, oh, I'm not done. Moundsville.org, <laughs> the wow. Ohio County Library.org, and um, WestVirginiaExplorer.com. Yay! Are you fascinating and wonderful history. That was it for your sources? That was it. It was just Yay! Sources and history. Um, usually I'm the one that has the laundry list of sources. Good job. Oh, thanks. There was just a lot of kind of weird offshoots with this one. Um, yeah, you could go down a bunch of rabbit holes. Yeah. I mean, I love the Manson stuff, the baseball stuff, like all of that. I, found, I, I just found the culture that was surrounding this prison so interesting and how comes in and out sweating. Sorry. Yes. Um, I found the, just the interaction that the penitentiary had with the local people. Yeah. And then it's really interesting, right. To me, um, that kind of culture. And, you know, a lot of those people I'm sure worked there. So it wasn't weird to go, um, to the penitentiary. They had relationships there. It was just odd to me to, think that you're going there for executions and baseball games. And it seems like a lot of interconnection because I mean, as we think yeah. about prisons today, nobody goes to a prison unless you ha- are going to visit family that's in there or you yeah, have some business there. You don't go. Yeah, no. It's not like we're going to take the family down to the prison and watch some baseball. I mean, I would, if I could, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> they just don't do that fun stuff anymore. Yeah. You know what happened to the good old days? Seriously. God. All right. Emma, what did you think of the history? Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you go watch somebody be executed? Or would you go watch a baseball game? Baseball game? Right. Yeah. Like, Not the execution. Basketball? Just the baseball games. <laughs> <laughs> could you freaking imagine being there when that guy got decapitated? No. Oy. Clearly, it was so upsetting they stopped... They were like, nope, everybody can't come anymore. Right? <laughs> I couldn't do that anymore. I don't, I mean. This wasn't the best idea. Yeah. I mean, executions have been public for so long. I mean, thousands of years. It's not uncommon. It wasn't an true. uncommon yeah. thing. That's true. Ooh. Especially back in like, London, in like England, when they were beheading mm-hmm. people, like everybody was like, yeah, let's yeah. go watch this. Or when they were drawn and quartered. And yeah, that was like the thing to go and see and do and mm-hmm. Roman yeah. times too. I mean, all mm-hmm. of that, it's, it, it has been entertainment for such a, was entertainment for such a long time. Oh my God. Humans are so stupid. And we're suck. the worst. They, we are the worst. <laughs> Yuck. 
All right. Well, guys, we will be right back with the haunting portion. Um, after Laura's amazing history, obviously this place is hella fucking haunted. So um, please listen to this promo for our buddy podcast. Happy hour gets weird. We will be right back with the hauntings. Hi, I'm Cassie. I'm Tiffany. And we're the hosts of Happy Hour Gets Weird. On our podcast, we talk all things weird, like UFOs, Bigfoot, astrology, ghosts, and even true crime. And every episode, we create a fabulous new cocktail. So fabulous. If you're looking for a little weirdness, please search Happy Hour Gets Weird on your favorite podcast platform. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Okay, so uh, the hauntings. I got my stuff from everybody just settle in. Um, and it's all .com, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, WV Gazette Mail, um, an article by Bill Lynch. AP News, also an article by Bill Lynch. Now, I'm not sure if this is one Bill Lynch or multiple Bill Lynches, but... <laughs> Legends of America, Ghost Walks, an article by Ghost Guy Daniel. WV Penn Tours, Adelaide's Haunted Horizons.com.au, uh, Haunted Houses and Haunted Places to Go. All dot com. All right. Um, which also, it, <laughs> Archie used to crack me up because when he would list his sources, he'd be like, I got mine from www.v. I was like, you know, you don't have to say the www. HTTP backslash. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to say that anymore. He's like, I know. I just, I just like to be, you know, clear. Okay. Big nerd. All right. So nobody really knows when people started saying the former West Virginia State Penitentiary is haunted, but apparently there were rumors about it even before the prison was decommissioned in 95. Again, 26 years ago. Shut up, Carrie. Um, back in the days of the card catalog, which we still haven't told Emma. A card, I've got to tell her now. It, do you know what a Rolodex is? No. Okay, you know how when you need to find a book in the library... And you pull it up online and it gives you the number and that's how you go find a book. Yeah. Okay. So we didn't have, com- well, we had computers, but not like that. So there were. Wait, the, the computers just played Oregon Trail. Yeah, that was it. Okay. Um, so we had these big um, dressers kind of things with like small little rectangular <laughs> um, drawers. And inside were individual cards. Cards. So if you were looking for a book, you would have to know, you could look by name or by author, author. Um, but you would have to, or do we do, do we have subject? I guess, no, subject was more like where it was. Yeah. So um, you would say, okay, I want to find this book by Steve Doe. So you would go to D for Doe and then find Steve. And then you would flip through these tiny little things and the, the little cards like huge. So you would go look through all these tiny cards until you found the one that you wanted. And they were all typed up. Like somebody to, on a typewriter typed up all the information. Yes. So then you would take that and be like, okay, now I know where the book is. It would never tell you if the book was there. You would have to go walk your ass over there to go find out that the book wasn't there. It was already checked out, yeah. Right. But you would do this for any book that you wanted 
And if you wanted like a certain subject, like travel or religion or history, you would just go to that area and peruse what you were looking for. But if you knew specifically what you, but true, right? Like you would just go wander over there. (laughs) This is a horrible, I'm sitting here going, I can't believe I have to explain what this is. (laughs) Yep. Teeny tiny little cards like this. Just little things. And you would. Yes. They have little holes at the bottom where they mm -hmm. like popped into the little like. Mm -hmm. It It was a mess. thing. Um, next episode, you guest host, Emma, we will tell you all about microfiche (laughs) (laughs) or old rotary phones. (laughs) (laughs) Although Moody has, I think Moody, yeah, her, her great grandma has, still has one of those. Oh, okay. Not a rotary phone, right? But like an old, like a regular landline type. It's probably cordless. You don't even know. (laughs) You don't know the struggles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, right. Emma and Koi were born long after the invention of the internet, so. Yeah, I know. Neither one of them have any idea. Yeah, my son just tells me, you were born in the 1900s. I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> right. At least Emma and Koi are just, like, <laughs> thinking it to themselves. <laughs> right? Zane's eight. Born. He has no chill. He's like, you were born in the 1900s. You were born well, in the 1900s. It wasn't, like, 1902. <laughs> But it's still not wrong. I know. And that's probably why it pisses me off as much as it does. Because just hearing him say it out loud, I'm like, shut up. You're hurting my feelings. You're hurting my feelings. Um, okay. My wrinkles hurt. Right. From all the tears. <laughs> that's right. I've gotten my wrinkles. Um, so Tom Stiles is the caretaker of the former state penitentiary. And he's actually a tour guide. He said that talk about strange happenings had been circulating for years Some of the inmates thought the place was haunted, which he thought wasn't uncommon for a place like it. Um, If it was uncommon, we wouldn't cover nearly as many of these goddamn (laughs) prisons on this show. Right? So another reason this old building may be haunted is because, Laura, like you said, it was built um, on or very nearby a Native American burial ground. This would not be hard to believe. Um, as the prison was built directly across from the Grave Creek Mound, which is actually one of the largest conical-type burial mounds in the United States. Members of the Adena culture moved more than 60,000 tons of dirt to create it in about 250 to 150 B.C. Yeah. Super old. some ancient shit. Yeah. You thought the card catalog was ancient. (laughs) This ancient. (laughs) I mean, they used the card catalog to figure out how to do it because they needed to find a book. But after they did that, they were on it. They were on it. Um, Some believe that the negative energy from the deceased Native Americans infiltrated the prison, resulting in many of the paranormal events that have occurred there. So within a year of the penitentiary being decommissioned, it reopened with former guards giving tours to the public. Again, I think this is such a wonderful, wonderful idea. Because you really it's cool, yeah. You don't have people that you're hiring that have to kind of like memorize a script, or you know, it's just like the most authentic history given by people who actually lived it. Yes, yeah, I love it. Um, there were a lot of stories to tell, and the public seemed interested. But what the caretaker says was um, that what put them really put them on the map was MTV's Fear, which is a show I've never watched. Have you watched it? I feel like I saw it um, maybe like once in the first season or something. I remember they would like run around with cameras and it was always just really, it was like Blair Witch Project looking. It was all shaky and shit. All herky jerky and yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, this show is not for me. 
<laughs> so Fear was a reality television program on the cable network from 2000 to 2002. Again, before her time. Right. Um, MTV used to play music videos and that's all they played. And it was so lovely. It was great. You did know that? She's, I heard tell of that rumor. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. It was so great. Um, so on each episode, contestants were taken to an allegedly haunted location where they spent two nights and went through a series of dares in hopes of confirming the site was haunted. The penitentiary in Moundsville was used in both the pilot of the show and the first episode. Since then, there's been a steady stream of ghost hunters, ghost chasers, and other folks looking for a taste of the supernatural. So hauntings were reported as early as the 1930s. During this time, an inmate was often spied walking along a maintenance area where prisoners were not allowed. In some cases, the guards set off alarms, but there was no one there and no inmates unaccounted for when they investigated. So back in the 1930s, this was going on. Right. Um, there is a haunting that is especially frightening that occurs within the walls of the prison. This particular spirit is commonly referred to as the shadow man. And I think every location has one, but this guy, um, he most often lurks in the midst of the shadows that cast their shade among the halls and the cells in the structure. He's just like a darker shadow in a bunch of shadows. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> in addition to this, it is said that there are no visible features to witness the, on this ghostly apparition. He seems to be composed entirely of dark, ominous shadow that is highly intimidating to those that lay eyes on him. It's not known who he, this thing may be, Many believe it may be a guard that kept check on the cells in life. And then there are others who believe that it may be an inmate trying to find his way out of the darkness that his soul is lost in. That's a much more dramatic flick. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, to the individuals who have actually worked at the prison, those that have researched it and those that have simply visited the haunted prison, it is believed by most, if not all, um, of the deceased spirits that linger in and around this intensely ominous structure. Um, it's not unusual for someone to personally witness an intimidating apparition, hear a frightening noise, feel as if they're being watched or for someone to feel as if they're being followed. So the old recreation room in the basement that Laura had mentioned, the sugar shack by prison, was called the sugar shack by prisoners, was one, once infamous for illegal gambling, drug deals, rape, fighting, and murder. Today, visitors report hearing unseen people arguing, talking, and whispering here. Others have heard unexplained noises and felt cold spots within the room. Destination Fear on their episode. Did you watch their episode on this? I haven't. Okay. Tanner and Alex, I think it's Tanner and Alex are down in the sugar shack. And they, they're using the ovulus, which is that word bank. Mm -hmm. And they caught, you know, what happened to you down here? And the ovulus spit out rape. Oof. Yeah, I was like, ooh, nah, sorry for the person that's got to sleep in there, which I think was Tanner had to sleep in that room. Um, yeah, gross. So the North Wagon Gate, the prison's oldest structure, is said to be home to one of the most one of the prison's most active ghosts. This area once held the execution gallows where a man named Orville Atkins was hanged in 1938. I believe is that the gentleman that you spoke of. The guy who's popped off? No. No? Mm -mm. Mm. Well, 
He was hanging there too. Um, here, visitors say the area uh, has a very evil feeling and they feel as if they're being watched. Mysterious sounds and voices have been captured in EVPs and the ghosts of the condemned are sometimes seen. The gate is haunted by Orville Atkins, who is um, condemned for kidnapping a minister who was later found dead. However, his execution was also botched. As the noose was being placed around his neck, a nervous assistant pulled the trapdoor handle too quickly, and he fell 20 feet to the stone walkway. He was stunned and hurt, but he was still alive. He was then pulled back up to the scaffolding and hanged correctly. God. Lovely. That's... <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, so his... Uh, <laughs> Footsteps are said to be heard slowly pacing back and forth. Now, the North Hall was where the prison's worst offenders were placed, not for crimes they had committed outside, but for their violent behavior on the inside. Though they were locked down in their cells for 23 hours a day, two murders occurred here. One was a biker named Danny who was stabbed in the eye by another inmate and died of his hemorrhages. Yeah. Super gross. Uh-huh. The other was William Red Snyder, who was convicted of murdering his parents and dismembering their corpses. Lovely child. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so Red Snyder was a very violent man. He was born in 1946 and started with arson in his 20s. Um, over time, he would escalate. He served time in many prisons. He was released from parole from West Virginia Penitentiary in 1967 and one day later he killed two men so that was a mistake uh yeah just a little bit um apparently what had happened was once he got paroled he returned home and he found out that his 15 year old sister was in love with a neighbor boy from the grog family um it's unknown why this pissed him off but we know that he told his father emery snyder about wanting to kill the boy and emery wanted to stop him the next morning, Red walked into Emery's bedroom, looked down at his sleeping father, took out a gun, and shot him to death. So while his father was dead in bed, Red walked to the grog house. The father and mother were out, so he took all eight of their children, including the boyfriend, hostage. When the um, father came home, he jumped red and they wrestled for the gun. It went off. That day, both the Snyder and Grog families lost their fathers thanks to red. So apparently the police were waiting. He ran, but the police were waiting for him. The chase ended with a bullet to red's leg and he was returned to West Virginia Penitentiary. Um, apparently he was kind of insane. Just one of mm-hmm. those real psychos. Um, and this caused unease with the inmates. Feared by some and hunted by others, he actually lived quite a tense life. So for a time, Red led the Aryan Brotherhood gang in the prison. Wow, okay. But not for control or because of racism, but to survive. Eventually, he gained a good reputation as a, quote, straight shooter. Everyone said, quote, you leave Red alone and he'd return the favor. So the guards say that they remembered Red for his knit hat, his love of chewing tobacco, and watching Days of Our Lives. (laughs) Nice. Ruined that show for me. Right? Um, His calm changed with a riot in 1986. Some say Red helped start what led to three dead inmates and a heavy lockdown in North Hall. On On Sunday, November 15th, 1992, 
The guards finally felt comfortable letting inmates walk around. A good friend named Russi. Jesus. <laughs> a good friend named Rusty Lassiter. A good friend of Red's. Mm. Officer Red's cell. They talked a little bit laughing and joking as Rusty pulled a sharp metal piece from a jail bed and plunged it into Red 37 times. When guards arrived, red cell number 20 was drenched in his blood. Red was dead. <laughs> I was like, do I put that in? That's kind of lame, but also kind of funny. Yeah. Um, they didn't bury him in the prison cemetery, mostly because the guards respected him. So they started a fundraising effort to buy a grave in Moundsville's Riverview Cemetery mm-hmm. um, so that Red could be with his family. You know, the one that, that he killed? That, yeah. That, those yeah that, that family? I bet they were really appreciative. I bet they love that. The locals fought it, but the guards won, and he was buried in Riverview with a compromise, no headstone. He remains in that unmarked grave today. Rusty is still alive. He was released on parole in 2009 and then returned on a drug charge. Um, Currently, the article that I read believed that he resides inside Huttonsville Correctional in West Virginia. Wow. Yeah. So... um, because he was disliked by many invi- inmates, he was involved in several fights. The hall has been a site of many strange events, including photographic anomalies, equipment malfunctions, the sound of cell doors banging when no one is in there. Many people have reported feeling very uncomfortable there. I can't imagine why. Right? It sounds like a lovely place. Sounds great. I should have taken the girls here yesterday. Right? <laughs> instead of go ape. Um, so... Many have reported, uh, like I said, feeling very uncomfortable. I read that sentence twice. I'm just going to try to gloss right over it. Red Snyder cell is <laughs> to be particularly haunted. Interesting. Yeah. Which, if you were stabbed 37 times, you'd probably be a little mad and haunt the place, too. You might be kind of pissed. Yeah. Especially if you were fucking your friend. wired for sound all the time anyway. Like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the solitary confinement area, people have often reported feeling cold spots and as if they have been touched on their backs. Don't touch me. Um, other hot spots include, again, death row, the psych ward, not surprising, the mm-hmm. chapel, the shower cages, also not surprising, the dining room, and the boiler room. Throughout the prison, visitors and staff report seeing fleeting glimpses of apparitions, smelling unpleasant odors, strange noises and echoes and feelings of being watched and a disembodied voice that says, help, I am trapped. Mm -hmm. You're both like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) Visitors have felt brushed, tapped and even shoved by invisible hands and cameras have captured ghostly mists, faces, figures and orbs. Some have seen the ghosts of prisoners in uniforms walking the halls and disappearing into walls. Others claim that the prison is plagued by what is called residual hauntings, which is defined as a replay of tragic event from the past or Mm -hmm. just a particular, like if there was a prison guard that always walked the same route, that's a residual haunting. This apparition is not going to know you're there. It's not going to interact with you. It's just kind of still doing its daily thing. Right. Um, So there is the spirit of a snitch, the most, um, this is this ghost is the one that's most often seen. The maintenance man that lived in the basement, he's often seen by the living wandering around the bathroom area of the basement. And why? Because he made it his hobby to report the wrongdoings of inmates to the guards, which much have made, must have made him feel important and superior. 
However, the inmates got together and shivved him with homemade knives while he was sitting on the toilet. Oh, yeah. Can't even take a poop in peace. Right? Not if you're going to, you know, snitch. Yeah. Why would he think that was a smart thing to do in a prison? Especially that prison. That prison. Um, nope. So the spirit of Arvel Paul Adkins. Arvel Ad is that the guy you talked about? Arvel Adkins? It, there was a guy. Hold on. Do, 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 do. No, I have to switch things. Sorry. <laughs> I'm constantly. I know. I'm like, no, I got to go find the guy's name. It was like RD, the guy that got shivved on the way to the boiler room that was a snitch. I want to say it was RD Wills or something. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Oh, look, you keep going. I'll find it. Okay. Well, he is the guy. I think he's the guy. Now I got to go back through my notes. See, this. Welcome to a professional podcast, Emma. <laughs> We're doing really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sugar Shack, Shadow Man. RD Wall. RD Wall is your guy. Yeah. That he also got. Ah, here's uh, Shanks. Adkins is mine. Yeah, that's the guy. I yeah. So this his spirit. Um, he's the guy that was the victim of the botched hanging. Um, he is often seen. Oh God, haunting the gallows area. Um. So does it make sense? He was hanged twice, which is horrible. Lived through the first one, and oh God, Jesus. Yeah. Um, after disciplines, after a, dis- a discipline session with the warden, inmate Roberts died in his cell and was buried behind a wall. So his spirit haunts his cell where he died of his injuries. Who could you imagine? Where under what wall? Could you imagine like a brick falls out of a wall and you're like, "What is that?" And you look and there's a skeleton staring back. No So Bill Lynch in one of his articles. He had actually written the article about his experience at West Virginia State Penitentiary. Mm -hmm. He wanted to go there to um, just check it out. He's been a a skeptic, wasn't really sure, but he was doing some sort of um, thing where he kind of challenged his fear. Okay. So he went and he investigated the place by himself. And he didn't even really like... He didn't do this all the time. He actually called up um, a group of paranormal investigators and was like, hey, I'm going to go check this out. What should I bring? What advice do you have to give me? And he wandered this joint alone. So the article is basically talking about, like, I went here, I went there. He didn't really see anything, didn't experience anything. Right. Writes, quote, turning at the south wall, I looked up at the guardhouse above the wagon gate, a set of huge reinforced doors big enough to allow delivery trucks, heavy equipment, or even a tractor trailer. In the windows of the room above that gate, I saw a dark shape glide from one end to the next. I stopped, but I remember what Tim had said about my mind playing tricks in the dark. Um, I imagined it was a shadow cast by headlights from a passing car, maybe a light that had hit a derelict chair or a forgotten filing cabinet. I watched to see if it would happen again, but nothing. So I moved on. So he goes back after his he's wandered and one of the tour guides was in the gift shop waiting for him. Mm-hmm. 
And he says, quote, but did you, you didn't see anything, Steve asked, which is the guy who worked there. Mm -hmm. He says, I told him I'd felt the oppressive paranoia of the place and the unshakable feeling of being watched. That relentless feeling of being pursued had finally been more than I could take. Then I told him what I saw, what I thought I saw above the gate. I said, that had to be a headlight or something. It's too high up, Steve said offhandedly. He marveled, you might have seen something after all, an actual apparition. That seemed awfully convenient. Nobody would believe that, I said. I drove home at midnight. I actually don't know what I saw. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So a dark shadowy figure has been commonly reported from different areas of the prison captured in a photograph taken by the resident paranormal group there, Paranormal Quest. A lot of EVP recordings um, have been captured there, including the sound of a shotgun blast and the empty cartridge dropping to the floor, which this is available to listen to online. Oh, that's cool. Right? Um, So um, another person who had been there to investigate said that it was as we neared the medical center that we heard a cough at the top of the stairs. We hesitated to listen, and this was soon followed up by heavy movements on the top floor. Creeping up, we stood in the darkness and listened to the heavy sounds resounding around the building. Bangs, the sounds of glass being rattled and moved, knocks, and even shuffling footsteps behind us ensued, causing us to go live on our Facebook page. This was just too good to miss. That is why I love to do Facebook Lives from locations, because oftentimes the viewers see stuff that Mm -hmm. we don't see. Right. Um, like the one at Phelps where they saw the shadow behind Archie and I just watching it on the computer. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, so she goes on to say, my first thought was that there had to be animals in the roof, but there would have needed to be a herd of them as the noises often were simultaneous and resonated from rooms beside us, behind us and down the hallway. Wow. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So she goes on to say that um, we did go live for our Patreon subscribers again. And at one point we were receiving comments that our viewers were seeing a figure down the hallway. Um, Her co-host zoomed the video in for a closer look. And on watching back, you clearly see a transparent mist um, walk across the hallway. Um, She does say, could it have been a trick of the light on the lens? We have looked at every other part of the video and cannot find anything similar. And it doesn't appear, but it does appear to be standing upright. Mm -hmm. And kind Uh, of humanoid then. Yeah, yeah. She says, finally, we we resorted to the good old ghost slash spirit box where we were clearly told several times to leave. She's like, radio or the residents telling us they had had enough. Either way, we decided it was indeed late and we would take their advice and get some much needed sleep. (laughs) So um, that's what I've got for the hauntings. I do want to say in closing that from this article um, where I was talking about the caretaker, Mm -hmm. um, they say whether the penitentiary is haunted or not depends on whether you believe in ghosts or not. Otherwise, the place is just haunted by memories and history. A lot of lives passed in and out the front gate. Um. Parks said, um, well, one of the tour guides said that occasionally they'll get a former inmate come through for a tour. They'll bring their families, their kids and grandchildren. They want to show them where they slept and where they ate. This place was important to them. Um, She added that she's even spoken to former West Virginia state penitentiary inmates 
serving sentences elsewhere. One of them, she said, told her he preferred Moundsville to Mount Olive, which is where once the Moundsville closed is where they sent most of them, Mm -hmm. Mount Olive. And this guy said that he preferred Moundsville to this newer Mount Olive. Here they want us to talk about our feelings, the inmate told her. In Moundsville, we settled things. Yeah. Don't doubt it. So um, I do have a note before you go. Uh, You can um, contact West Virginia Penitentiary Tours. They are located, the prison is located at 818 Jefferson Avenue in Moundsville, West Virginia, 26041. You can also call them at... 304-845-6200. Now they do have a number of tours, historic and paranormal. History tours range from $8 to $14. Paranormal um, tours range from $75 for a public ghost hunt and $1,099 for a private paranormal hunt. Um, Then they have miscellaneous tours that range from $40 to $100 for twilight tours, photography tours, and literally random Thursday tours. They call it <laughs> random Thursday. They call it terrifying Thursday or terrifying or something. Yeah, just a random mm-hmm. Thursday thing. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I have for West Virginia Penitentiary. I really think um, I like it. I'm here for it. And uh, we need to put this on the, add it to the list. You need to add it to the list. But this place has a lot of the same kind of history that Brachi does. I mean, mm-hmm. not as heavy in the mining, um, but definitely the violence. And there was the mining, the prisoners doing all the work. Yeah. Being tortured. I think uh, it's crazy that one inmate designed the electric chair. I know. I thought that was so interesting, just that little like bit about it because he couldn't have been too popular with the rest of them right like who's like i, mean, I hope <laughs> they moved him out afterwards like right now you're pardoned <laughs> like or something something yeah because they're you're not gonna be um super popular exactly no uh-uh. especially with the guys on death row who don't really have a lot to lose they really don't emma mm-hmm. what do you think of it um it was interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> just interesting just super creepy right yeah yeah, yeah. There's a lot of history in these penitentiaries too. Mm-hmm. I there. don't like the sugar shack. I don't like the idea of that. I don't like mm-hmm. the idea of the shadow person. But at least this shadow figure is upright. Like, yeah, not one of those crawly ones. I hate the ones that crawl or slither or like go on the ceiling or crawl on the ceiling. I can't. Mm-hmm. That. That's yeah. That stuff is gross. We have said so many times on this podcast, we're here for you. You don't need to be creepy. Mm-hmm. Just show mm-hmm. walk up. <laughs> like we're cool you don't need to crab walk all weird <laughs> on the floor you're scary you're a shadow you're dead i get it right. you don't have to show off for me you i'm don't cool have to show off for me. i already love you <laughs> <laughs> just be already all right right um, exactly yeah i don't, so, I don't need the extra we don't need the extra Mm-mm. so anyway guys uh let us know have you been to moundsville penitentiary have you were you an inmate at Moundsville? We did, Emma, when we did Brushy Mountain on our social media on Facebook, we actually got a former inmate say, oh, yeah, I spent a year in Brushy. Oh, my God. I know. We were so excited. We were like, holy crap, this is so great. 
Well, and people who had family there were telling stories of stuff that their family did while they were there. Not all so great, but... um, Oh, yeah. A woman's uncle was an inmate there and he killed a guard. She's like, I remember my uncle killed a guard there. I was like, oh, oh. I didn't quite know what to do with that one. Like, I felt more comfortable talking to the inmate (laughs) there. I was like, really? Oh, my God. Do you suppose you know each other? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, these places are just so full of just interesting and random history. And terrible, terrible stories, of course. It's not so great, but... Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good so times. How, how, what did you, how did you feel about doing your first podcast? Um, it was cool. Yeah. I'm We're so <laughs> professional. Are you learning so yeah. much stuff to take to college with so you? Much. Right? <laughs> so this what is... not to do when starting a podcast? <laughs> or giving any kind of presentation. Yeah. <laughs> really? You shouldn't have to go like I'm all oh wrong notes. Hold on. <laughs> the other page. I left that on the other page. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So all right, yeah. Did you have a good time? I did. Yay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for Thanks for hanging me. in there. I'm super excited. Are you gonna tell all your friends you're on a podcast? Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. My girl. Okay. Make them listen. Yes. <laughs> All right, Laura, we're going to go ahead and we're going to close it out. Oh, my God. I have two more scratches from your damn cat. She's on me. Yeah. You know, we live with him. You're, you don't have to live with him. Yeah. Right? You'll go home and they'll heal. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, we'll, we'll have more. more. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, guys. As always, we want to tell you to stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening. Is listening. Yes. All right. Bye, guys. Emma, say goodbye. Bye. Wish everybody well. Bye. Bye, guys. Good. (laughs) Bye, guys.